Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 377. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. This week we bring you Here There Be Monsters by Robert Lowell Russell. Robert's humorous stories have appeared in Daily Science Fiction, The Saturday Evening Post, Fireside, and a variety of other markets. This story originally appeared in Stupefying Story Showcase. So without further ado, we bring you Here There Be Monsters by Robert Lowell Russell. The canary yellow shirt read Camp Fit, but it didn't quite fit the bulbous, pre-adolescent boy cringing in the cabin's corner. Rows of bunks lined both sides of the room. Standing over the boy, Wargly raised his shaggy brown arms and roared with his terrible roar. You're going to eat me! And the monster gnashed his terrible teeth and rolled his terrible eyes and showed his terrible claws. The boy's expression changed from terror to puzzlement. You're going to eat me! And the monster gnashed his terrible teeth and rolled his terrible eyes and showed his terrible claws. The boy's expression changed from terror to puzzlement. "'You want me to eat you?' "'Yes!' shouted Wargly. "'Wait, no!' Pulling a tattered manual from his fur, the monster flipped through it and read for a moment, then nodded and put the book away again. "'Do over!' Wargly pointed a talon at the boy. "'I'm going to eat you!' The monster clawed his terrible eyes and gnashed his terrible tongue, and, ouch, the boy laughed. You're a sucky monster. I know. Wargly collapsed in a heap on the floor and burst into tears. My parents sent me to the camp for the monstrously challenged to shape me up, but I hate it. The boy got to his feet and tugged his shirt over his belly. My folks dumped me in this stupid fat camp. I'd kill for a candy bar. He pointed to a closet in the cabin. You should probably go. Wiping away his tears, the monster started to rise. You know, why don't you give it one more try? The boy spread his arms wide. Hit me with your best shot. Wargly took a deep breath and leapt from the floor and pinched the boy's chest with his claws. The boy shook his head and grabbed Wargly's furry nipple between a meaty finger and thumb, then twisted. The monster shrieked. That's a purple nurple, said the boy. Clamping his hands over the monster's forearm, he worked the skin back and forth and Wargly howled. Indian rug burn, said the boy. Let the friction work for you. He twirled his finger. Turn around. Why? Turn around. Wargly did as he was commanded, and he heard a rustle of clothes behind him. Now put these on. The boy handed the monster a pair of dirty underwear. 
Wargly started to protest, but the boy held up a finger, silencing him. The monster struggled into the briefs. The key to terror, said the boy in a soft voice, is building anticipation. Your victims know something awful is going to happen to them, but they don't know what. He circled Wargly. Will it be the nurple? He grabbed Wargly's nipple and wrenched it, and the monster screamed. The burn? The boy clamped his hands on Wargly's arm and rubbed the skin, and the monster screamed again. The wedgie! He yanked the underwear, and the monster's mouth made an O. The boy leaned near Wargly's ear and whispered, Or will it be something worse? There's something worse? The boy offered a cruel smile. Oh, there's always something worse. Teach me, please. Why should I help you? The boy's expression held a mercenary's gleam. Uh, Camp Challenged has food, tons of it. The boy thought for a moment. There are other monsters there that are lame like you. Wargly nodded. Deal. The boy extended his hand. I'm Jason. Tomorrow night, bring some friends. The next evening, half a dozen monsters tromped through the cabin's closet, following Wargly. Seven pudgy children waited for the creatures, each child with a predatory look on his or her piggy face. Wargly's monstrous friends huddled behind him. Some of the monsters crept closer to get a better look, until a plump girl, the shortest and roundest of the children, held up her hand. The girl clenched her fingers into a fist, and the monsters jolted at each knuckle crack. I'm Dee Dee, said the girl. Which one of you is my monster? A reptilian horror stepped forward and held up a cream puff. She snatched it from the monster's hand and stuffed it into her face. Gimme another. Dee Dee held up her fist again when the creature didn't move quickly enough. One by one, the monsters and children paired off until Wargly was left standing with Jason. Now what? said the monster. Let's start with something easy. You're big, and little things are afraid of big things. Jason motioned Wargly to follow him outside. There are more camps nearby, and I know the perfect place to start. Their pursuers howled behind them like a pack of wolves, and Wargly and Jason ran even faster through the moonlit forest, scrambling past trees and brush. This was supposed to be easy, said Wargly. I thought they just sold cookies, Jason pumped his arms as he ran. How was I supposed to know? Wargly grabbed the boy and pulled him into a shadowed part of the forest. A troop of girls in berets, sashes, and war paint streaked past. Each wielded a fire-sharpened spear. Even after the Girl Scouts moved away, Wargly and Jason waited until the stillness of the forest turned back to cricket chirps and the rustle of living things. Then they waited another half hour just to be sure, and only then crept from their hiding place. Retreating to the camp-fit cabin, Jason and Wargly found a group of bruised and battered monsters and a cluster of exasperated children soothing their frustrations with peach cobbler. They're hopeless, said Dee Dee between bites. Cub Scouts had bird-feedered her monster, covering the creature in peanut butter, pine cones, and bird seed. How hard is it to scare a bunch of little kids? asked another not-so-little kid. 
You children grow up too fast these days, said a monster, its corpse-gray skin sticky with glue, sequins, and pink glitter. We can't scare you once you're grown. Why not? asked Jason. Because adults aren't afraid of monsters. Maybe not, said Jason. But my mom's afraid of other dumb things, like house bubbles. And my dad's afraid of reptile dysfunction, said Dee Dee. The kids looked to one another. Bullying grown-ups, said one. Dare we fly that close to the sun? We got pet monsters, and I got the carpal tunnel real bad from all the wedgies, said a boy. A change of pace would be nice. Their pursuers howled behind them like a pack of wolves, and Warkley and Jason ran even faster through the moonlit forest. Ducking into the shadows, the boy and the monster allowed a posse of spear-carrying, naked septuagenarians to rush past. Once the sound of flapping, wizened flesh stopped echoing throughout the night, Jason said, I guess retired nudists doesn't mean they've stopped being nudists. Those were some tough nuts to crack. Jason and Wargley dragged themselves back to the cabin, where they found the other monsters practicing new pursuits with the children's guidance. That's right, Rush, said a monster wearing a headset. When the gay liberal agenda is fully operational, there'll be a homosexual in the White House within ten years. Then, mark my words, those black helicopters will turn pink. A boy held up a cue card for the monster, and the creature added, Watch the skies, people. Another monster was blogging on a popular stay-at-home mom website. Boo, for your child is six years old. The government recommends that they receive the following vaccines. Hep A, Hep B, DTAP, MMR, Influenza, Varicella, IPV, HIB, PCV. Pull some letters from that alphabet soup and do you see what they're trying to hide from us? Alien vaccine. Think I'm crazy? Think there aren't enough ends? The influenza vaccine is recommended every year. Every year. The monster gave his child a thumbs up and finished with the phrase, Watch out for the sky, people. More bullies clustered around a group of creatures who'd formed the undocumented immigrant mariachi band, Amnestia Moreno, Brown Amnesty. They were rehearsing their new hit song, Gente del Cielo. Gente del Cielo, wondered Jason aloud. Sky people? We're experimenting with meta-bullying, explained a girl. We think if we plant certain words often enough in the media, people will be afraid without even knowing really why. You guys are doing really great, said Jason. It's all coming together. Anyone for a celebratory donut? The other kids shook their heads. They were too involved to take a break. Wargley sighed. It's not going so great for me. The monster went off to be by himself. I've tried everything I can think of for the guy, Jason said to Dee Dee, who'd come to console him. Don't worry, she said. Give him time and he'll find his niche, just like the others. 
Then she jammed her hands down the back of his shorts and yanked his undies to his armpits. Jason's mouth made an O, and she winked. You're my boyfriend now. The next night, Wargley struck out at a Renaissance fair. Costumed adults proved surprisingly fearless. There was a lot of screaming at the Wall Street Warriors' power weekend, but Wargley couldn't tell if the screams were from fear or greed-fueled rage, and at Jason's advice, the monster skipped the Sisters of the Second Amendment retreat entirely. A retreat doesn't mean they'll actually retreat, Jason explained. Finally, it was the last night before Wargley and Jason were due to head back home, and the pair were desperate. Making their way as quietly as they could through the forest, they crept towards a dozen residents of the Gaia's groovy commune seated in a clearing around a crackling fire. Smoke rose from the bonfire, and a different sort of smoke rose around the people as they passed around a hand-rolled cigarette. The man, man, said one bearded man to another. The man's poisoning our water to fuel the war machine. Jason whispered excitedly to Wargley and pointed to his butt and then to the sky, but the monster appeared skeptical. The boy gave the monster an encouraging shove, and Wargley leapt from the forest. Arg! I'm a monster! He gnashed his terrible teeth and rolled his terrible eyes and showed his terrible claws. The people blinked and were silent. Then one woman shook her head. Nah, the real monsters are the corporations, man. Come sit by me, groovy talking bear. The hippie patted the log she was sitting on. But I'm ugly and terrible, said Wargley. Not on the inside, man. Sighing, he went to sit with the group. Declining a toke from the cigarette, Wargley felt a familiar sort of despair rising from inside of him, until, out of the corner of his eye, he saw Jason in the forest, waving. The boy pointed again to his butt, and then to the sky. Wargley took a deep breath. What do you think happens to it? He craned his neck to the stars. What? asked the woman. The farts, the farts from all of the people, from all the cows and the chickens and pigs and stuff. I mean, might even be dinosaur farts floating around up there for all we know. So? Well, it's just that I'm worried is all, said the monster. Yeah, I mean, what if the oil and the gas conglomerates try to get at it? It took a moment to settle in, but eventually the eyes of the group went wide. One by one, the hippies rose and stared into the night sky. Sky fracking, man, said a hippie. Bear dudes talking about fracking. Wargley used the distraction to rejoin Jason in the forest. I knew you could do it, the boy threw his arms around the monster. I'm so proud of you. Back at the cabin that night, as the wild rumpus wound down, there were more hugs and even some tears, while the children and the monsters said their goodbyes. Promise to visit? asked Jason. Promise, said Wargley. The sting of Dee Dee's farewell nurple hadn't yet faded for Jason as he looked longingly at Camp Fit dwindling behind his parents' car. After half an hour of awkward silence, his father finally spoke from the driver's seat. You're as fat as ever, son. What happened? I lost five pounds. 
Wow, that's what, 50 bucks a pound? Congratulations, you're cheaper than Kobe beef. Dear, that's not nice, Jason's mother failed to repress a smirk. Did you have a good time at least, son? It was great, Mom. I had tons of fun, made lots of friends. I even have a girlfriend. Jason noticed his parents looking to the sky with worried stares, and he grinned. I can't wait to go back. His parents offered each other puzzled looks. That night, back at home in his bedroom, Jason left his closet cracked, and near midnight the door swung open and a familiar face peeked out. Wargly gave him a hug. Nice to see you again, buddy. Did you bring it? The monster nodded and hefted a bag filled with bubble soap and wands. Cool, said Jason. Then let's go bust some house bubbles in my parents' bedroom. And that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Got a cutout early this week, folks. Let's close things out with our 100-character story winner this week. As you know, of course, each week we run a 100-character story contest from our forums at forums.drabblecast.org, where we pick a winner each week from the TwitFix section. We call them TwitFix stories, 100 characters not counting spaces because they fit in a Twitter post, and we post it out on Twitter. Our Twitter feed is at thedrabblecast.org. Post yours in our forums. You might be next week's winner. This week's winner is Otto K, with this one here. I took a cleaver and left my rifle when I went out to kill the ghoul. I didn't want a headshot. I wanted my wedding ring back. Nice one. Again, follow the Treblecast on Twitter, at the Treblecast, for the winners early each week. Thanks for listening, folks. That was our show this week. Remember, the Drabblecast is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. We are listener-supported, which means we bring these stories to you free of charge because of listener support. Listeners just like you who love the Drabblecast. If you go to Drabblecast.org, you'll find support options there off our main page. You can subscribe for $5 a month or $10 a month. $10 a month gets you access to our Drabblecast premium content feed, Travelcast B-Sides, where you can get video podcasts, interviews, and stories, stories, stories. Go to Travelcast.org and sign up for Travelcast automatic subscription for $10 a month. You're helping us out, and we appreciate it. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode artist this week, Christiane Ebricht. Christiane dreams of becoming a crazy cat lady being crushed by some nasty allergies. She's decided to do the next closest thing to her heart, drawing. Now studying for her master's degree, she always is looking for something interesting to work on, from full illustrations to comics or character design. You can find her website at www.ceid.de or as Nomino on DeviantArt. Our program this week was brought to you by Chief Editor Nathan Lee, our art director, Bo Kyer, with additional help from Nikki Drayden, Tom Baker, David Carvin, and David Steffen. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman reminding you, watch out for the sky, people.
Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.